So I want you to just kind of roll up your sleeves. We are going to get into this, and God is going to move in a really powerful way. I want you to really listen today. Um, We're in a brand new series. Anybody know what the name of the series is? Does anybody have any idea? Abide. Yep. It's the name of the series. And uh, the reason that we call the series Abide is because we don't just want Jesus around our life. We want Jesus at the front of our life, at the back of our life under and over, in and throughout. We want him in the future. We want him in the past. We want him in the present. We want Jesus to our left and our right. We want Jesus at every aspect of our lives, not just someone that we refer to when we have issues, problems, circumstances, but we want Jesus someone to walk with, live with. In fact, we go so far as to say, abide in Abiding, uh, we, we, we uh, talked about in the first week of this series, simply being about to be resting in, getting power from. Just like a, a, a vine abides in the root, and as long as it abides in the root, it predicts about how far as it can go and how far and how strong it can be and what kind of uh, fruit it produces. So it is with us. We want to abide in Christ. Abiding in him. Now, uh, what I want us to do is, um, we've been, so the first week we said, okay, we need to abide in Christ. But our problem is, is exactly what means of grace does God use in order to help us to abide? In other words, what does God give us? What does God do for us? How does God help us to grow and to learn to abide in Christ? Like, what does God do? What are the means of grace? Because we all know that if God demanded stuff from us, we just wouldn't get very far. And in so far as God not giving us power to do it, in so far as just letting us off on our own. That's not the way God works. So God gives us the desire, He gives us the strength, He gives us the ability, He gives us the direction, and then He asks us to walk in it. So what are the means of grace that God uses? Well, we have the um, uh, discipleship wheel um, that I want us to look at. We looked at it in the first week. And the reason that we call this the discipleship wheel is because this is the means of grace that God will use to help us to abide in him. And so uh, week one, uh, week two rather, uh, the first thing that we looked at is the word. Does everybody remember that from last week? Right? What was last week's point? What did I want you to do? Just what? You guys pay attention. That's awesome. Okay, so we just want you to read your Bible. That was all we want you to do. That if you're going to abide in Christ, if you're going to walk in power, if you're going to live the joy-filled, spirit-filled, grace-filled, Christ-centered life, we're going to have to what? Sure. Well, today, no surprises, today we're going to look at service. Everybody see service up there? Okay, and that's all. And here's what I want you to do. Listen. This is real easy, just in case you have to go to the bathroom or leave early. Here it is. You ready? Okay, this is the whole, whole sermon right here. You ready? Watch this. I want you to serve in this church. That's it. All right, let's pray. We can go home now. Um, That's it. I just want you to serve in this church. Listen to me. I was never picked for anything. Were you ever picked for, like, sports? There's some of you, right? Like, Ray was always the first pick. Anybody else was, like, you know, it was, like, the jock or the athlete or the really cool guy, right? Okay, for, like, double Dutch, some of you girls were, like, picked because you do that, you know, you know, a whole thing. 
My daughters now are starting to do that. I'm like, yeah, I could do that. And all I know is this part. You know, when like the I go, that's all I do. That's all I do. And it looks good enough. I go, nah, I'm going to do it later. I'll do it later. That's all I can do. I, I can't. I, I, I've never really, I was never really picked for anything. And the reason I wasn't picked for anything is because I wasn't any good at anything. I was just, I just no good. I, I, I couldn't uh, throw uh, the ball. I couldn't, um, I couldn't catch the ball. I, could, I wasn't very coordinated. Um, the only thing that I had uh, working for me is that I was fast. But even that, you know, you just have to actually know what to do and with the speed and all that other stuff. But that was it. I just didn't have, I wasn't picked. Is there anybody else like me? Was there anybody like, right, bunch of geeks? Yep. Okay, that's good. Um, so that's me too. No, me too. I was never picked for anything, ever. Listen to me. And then we walk into church and find out We've been picked. We've been chosen before the foundation of the world. God chose you. The reason that you're here is not because you were invited to come here because if you came, that pretty girl would buy you lunch or that, you know, the guy who drives the awesome car will get you dinner or something like that. Like, you know, the reason that you're here is because God chose for you to be here. It's an awesome thing. And for a guy like me who's never picked at anything, it means the world to me. We're going to look today at an illustration of how God chooses a person for service. We're going to look at an illustration about how God does the choosing. God does the empowering. God does the leading. God does the strengthening. God does the, And you go, well, what do I do? Enjoy the ride because listen to me you've been chosen and you've been chosen not to sit in your seats you've been chosen to do a great work for him so one of our traditions in this church is that we stand when we read God's word so I'm going to ask you to stand And the reason that we do it is because God's word is holy, beautiful, perfect, and pure. And when we stand, we recognize that we're doing something other than what we do for the rest of the week. We say, this is God's word. Listen, 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 listen. If you don't believe, if you don't believe that this is God's word, shh, shh, listen, listen. Put your ear to your Bible. Listen, listen, put your ear to your Bible. Shh, 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 shh. You hear it breathing? It's alive. It's alive. It's a powerful, powerful word of God. And so we'll read from Judges chapter 6, verse 11. You can find that in your Bibles. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges. So it's between Joshua and Ruth. And um, if you're opening up your Bibles to it, if you don't, inside your bulletins, you have what we call our sermon map. So you could follow along. You have the scriptures. If if you don't want to do that, it'll just be on the screen. How's that? Um, I want us to read verse 11 together, then I'll read the rest of the passage, and then we'll come in on the last verse. Is that fair? Okay, so here we go. Verses 11 together. Judges chapter 6 in the ESV. Here we go. One, two, three. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abyssalite. While his son Gideon was beating out wheat in winepress to hide it from the Midianites. Let me read. 
And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, sir, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all the wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you? And he said, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Let me tell you what's going on. We, we find our hero, Gideon. He's, uh, he's dur- he lives during the time of the judges. As he lives during this time, there's, I mean, oh my goodness, God's people rebel against God. They want nothing to do with God. They look for, they want spirituality, but they have no desire to know the true living God and submit to him. They want a God of their circumstances, convenience, a God that they can tell what to do. Not like anything we see all uh, today. Not like anything that's like today. But what, the God that they're looking for is the God that will obey them. That's the kind of life that they are living. They're living a life of wanting God to submit to them. That's the time of the judges. They're being oppressed. The reason that they're being oppressed is because God, let me tell you something. God never bring. you know, you might have had parents that hit you for no good reason. You might have had parents that punished you for no good reason. You might have been abused verbally, physically, sexually. You might have, you might have had terrible abuse at the hands of your parents. But I'm here to tell you that when God brings about chastening, it's always to draw you to himself. Always. And so God is chastening his people. And if you find yourself ever being chastened by the Lord, the last thing you should do is try to make yourself feel better. First thing you should do is run to the Lord. So so they're in this circumstance, in this issue. And the Midianites, they're a group of people, and they truly were ruthless. They decimated everything. In fact, it was so bad. I want you to show you a, a picture. See, Hebrew literature is subtle. When you, when you watch a movie, you know, you'll, you know, you'll see it very, very, or when you read a book, it's like, oh, and so-and-so, you know, John the hero was very, very afraid, and he was quaking in his boots and all that. And it's very obvious. But Hebrew literature is very, very subtle, very subtle. And if you miss it, if you just blink, you'll miss it. And so look at verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth, that's a type of tree, in Ophrah, not the, not the talk show host, uh, which belonged to Joash the Abyssalite. That was, that was his father. While his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. Let me tell you what's going on. Okay, when, when you... Um, 
when you, uh, how do you say, when you um, beat out the wheat, what you do is essentially you, you, uh, the wheat has uh, uh, chaff attached to it. And the chaff is like lighter. It's, it's very light. Have you ever, have you ever um, blown those wish uh, things where it's a little circle and you go, and then it just kind of just blows away forever? That's how light chaff is. It's like that. So what they do is that they have a plate and they, and they shake it up and, what, and they allow the wind, the natural wind that exists, and they throw the wheat up in the air and the wind takes away the chaff. The wheat drops and then they do this several times. The, you, you see how that works. And then you have, that's how you sift through wheat. Gideon was in a wine press. He was in a wine press uh, uh, taking care of the chaff. Anybody knows what you do in a wine press? Anybody? Take a guess. Anybody? Yeah, wine. It has something to do with wine. Whatever it has to do, it has to do with wine, right? Because it's called a what? Wine. wine press. Is that called a wheat press? No, you don't do weed in a wine press because you don't get the same results. But Gideon didn't care about the results. He cared about his life, and he was afraid, scared to death. So here he is playing the coward. And it's tough. Let me tell you something. I grew up in a neighborhood where everybody was... Did everybody, anybody grow up in a neighborhood where everybody had, like, more fantastic stories about how tough they were? Anybody grow up in that neighborhood, right? I grew up in that neighborhood. Oh, my goodness. How they... I remember true story. God, this is so funny. I only have five minutes, but I got to tell you this story, because this guy is, 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 is driving, right, and we're driving in a, we're driving in a, because my kids are here, we're driving in a stolen car, and so, so we're in this stolen car, I'm in the backseat, true story, Raymond, if I'm lying, I'm dying, right, and Raymond was right there, Raymond is in the back seat, and so am I. So we're driving in this car, and this Spanish guy who will be nameless because he's such a ridiculous person. So, um, and so we're, we're, he's right there. Oh, sorry. Um, no, um, I'm kidding. He's not here. So he's driving, and he's talking about all, like, he's talking about, like, episodes of the Dukes of Hazard, like how he jumped over ridges and, like, you know, like, did, like, you know, just the good old boy. And there, yeah, you know, just, like, outran cops, and, like, 50 cops are chasing him, and he just did all this stuff. And he just talked and talked and talked. And then a cop car went past us. And everybody, including a pastor that I won't mention, ducked their heads like this. Not subtle at all. And so I'm like, everybody, just be chill. And they're like this. I'm like, oh, why don't you just give me a sign and say, please pull us over. Please. Four Puerto Rican guys in a car that go like this. What do you do, right? Like, we have any cops in the, in the house? Right? You shoot the tires of that car, right? Because it's crazy. What does this guy do who was like, I'm telling you, he told the stories like he was in the Dukes of Hazzard, like just cut them thing, jump, you know, the 59th Street Bridge was opening up, and I just caught it in the perfect time, and I just jumped up, right? Like, I mean, he was saying this sort of craziness. And so, and so he's driving, and he jumped over the craziness, and he did all this thing. The cop came, he said, it was a Monte Carlo, man, anybody remember the Monte Carlo SS? Fastening Corvette. He, he went like this. He went like that and made one turn and hit a parked car. <laughs> and had the door open and started running for his life. Raymond didn't know better. They all left me there. All of them. Thank you very much. I wanted to tell that story just for that. No, no, the point is, the point is, is that we all have stories.
stories about how tough we are, but when we're in the thick of it, when we're living our lives, the truth is, is that we're cowards to a great extent, right? We hide from the Midianites. We, we, you know, we hit parked cars. We run before we help our friends. We do all this other stuff, right? <laughs> I'm not telling, I'm not looking at nobody. And just, <laughs> and just, <laughs> that story is actually funnier, but it doesn't have anything to do, it goes on, but I won't tell you the story. But here's the point. Here's the point. The point is, there was no denying where he was. After that car accident, there was no denying that this guy could not drive. Everything he said was a lie. There's no denying where he's at, that he's a complete coward. That he has absolutely nothing to offer. That he's just hiding for his life. I don't know. I don't know if you do stuff in your life that makes you think you're disqualified for use from God. I don't know if... Come here, come here, come here. I'm talking to you. I don't know if you live your life disqualifying yourself from what God can do in your life because of your fear and your insecurity and what mama said and what daddy said and that teacher said and what Titi said and what... I don't know. But it's in this moment, the moment where he feels like the greatest coward is acting like a great coward... That the angel of the Lord, and by the way, we discover that this angel of the Lord is actually the Lord. You don't see it in English, but you see it in Hebrew. This is Yahweh. This is, this is, let me tell you something. Jesus showed up. It's called the Christophany. And it's when Jesus shows up in the Old Testament. You see it, um, uh, uh, you see Jesus as the fourth man in the fire. Everybody remember that? Uh, Raymond preached a phenomenal sermon about that. You see Jesus as the fourth man in the fire. You see, um, you see him in the, in the, in Mamre, uh, with, uh, in the land uh, where, um, um, with Abraham as he approaches Abraham and has a discussion with Abraham. Do you, do you remember any of this stuff? Some of you don't. Read your Bible. Do last week and you'll catch up and you'll be able to um, uh, find this stuff. It's wonderful. Listen to me. Jesus shows up from time to time. And he shows up to this coward who has done nothing to qualify and has done nothing to win accolades and has done nothing to deserve the merit or favor of God. And we see it in verse 12. Look at this. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him. Let's read this, let's read this quote together on the count of three. Everybody ready? The Lord, well, on the count of three, on the count of three. One, two, three. The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Come on, come on. Listen to me, listen to me. You know how they say love is blind? How silly was it for God calling this guy a mighty man of valor? How foolish was it calling? This guy's a coward. He's hiding from the Midianites. He's just trying to get some lunch together, and he's doing it in the most cowardly way. There's no way that this qualifies. Listen to me. That's the point. That's the point. You don't choose God. God chose you. God chooses you. And as he chooses you, he draws you to himself. But you go, you don't know what I did last week, last night, last month, last year, 50 years ago. You don't know. Listen, I can't do that. I'm no good at that. I've tried before. Listen to me. God wants you. And he gives us this story to help us to recognize. Listen to me. It doesn't matter 
doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how you failed. Man, listen, you could have tried to do a great thing for God and failed, and God could say, I want, I'm picking you. I'm, come over here. Come over here, mighty woman of God. I have a work for you. Come over here, mighty man of valor. I have a work for you. And you go, no, 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 no. I tried this before and failed. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's because you, listen, I want you to do it in my strength, my power, my ability. My, listen, yeah, but you don't know what I've been and what I've been through. Listen. I created you. I know where you've been through before you've been there. I love you. And listen, he greets you. Listen, he doesn't greet you by where you are. He doesn't even greet you by where your potential is. He greets you according to how he made you. By his grace, what you can be. Not your potential, but by his grace, what you can be. Amen. Yes. Mighty man of valor. Gideon, like all of us, would have trouble swallowing that. And so Gideon said to him, I don't think that Gideon was answering him in a very, uh, it sounds kind of, um, it sounds kind of, uh, how would you say, respectful and humble. I don't think so. I think, that, I think that Gideon is kind of getting in the face of God. And he says this. And Gideon said, please, sir, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all those wonderful deeds and our fathers, that our fathers recounted to us, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. Listen to me. Listen to me. There's a temptation that when God calls us to do something great, there's a temptation that we will tell God things that he doesn't know. You ever try to tell, you try to ever inform God of things he just don't know? Have you ever done that? No, but God, I'm not getting any younger. Oh gosh, I didn't know that. Oh my goodness, I better do something quick. Sometimes we just try to tell God things that we don't know. And he tells them, hey, listen, this, this ain't working out the way we planned. The Midianites, they've decimated us, they've attacked us. And God is going, I know. In fact, God is the one, if you read the chapter before, God is the one who sent the Midianites. I know some of you don't have a compartment for that in your mind. But sometimes God will send pain your way to direct you to run closer to him. Sometimes, let me tell you something. Sometimes God gives a gorgeous gift to your life. And the bow that wraps the present is called suffering. And God wants his people to run back to him. Not everything. I'm not talking about every circumstance. Of course, Satan tries to derail us and break up our marriages and things like that. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about there are some times where we're living so far away from God, God just says, I love you so much. This, this can't, if I make this feel good for you, you'll never come back to me. Good night. I want you to come back to me. And I love this. This is like one of the most glorious lines in all the Bible. I love this sentence. This sentence, some of you are into like art uh, on your skin. Um, man, um, I'm not saying put this on your skin. 
I'm just saying, if I put one, this would be, I'm not, and I'm not, nor am I, matter of fact, that was even stupid for me to say. Why do I even bother saying that? Don't do that. I'm just saying this is a marvelous word. Um, listen, listen, listen to what God said, or, or listen to what happened. And the Lord turned to him. And the Lord turned to him. I think this is where we'll stay. The Lord turned to him. You ever finished giving God all your stuff, all your junk, all your funk, all your nonsense, all your foolishness? Have you ever done that? Have you ever given God, look, focus here, focus here. Have you ever done that? Have you ever given God just all your arguments and all your rage and all your anger, but why, but then, but if, but how, but what? If you ever, have you ever gone and said, God, this is too tough. This is too hard. I don't want to be with you anymore. If this is what walking with you is like, I'm not walking. Have you ever done that? And God goes, you know what, you know what the next line is? It's this. It's this. Listen, listen, listen. It's powerful. And God turned to him. I know some of you don't believe it, but I'm telling you, God will turn to you. I don't know how to illustrate this. I want to illustrate this in a way that you could see the And God turned to him. I don't know. Have you ever had an argument with your spouse? Have you ever had an argument and then they turned from you? Imagine having an argument and they they turned to you. God turned to him. I don't know how to. There's a show. I'm going to illustrate this. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, and this is a sort of a, 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 what do you call it, team teaching thing? So Pastor Ray is going to come up in just a, a few minutes. There's a show. Anybody ever heard of it? It's the show called The Voice. Anybody ever heard of it? Yeah? Okay. Listen to me. So The Voice, right? I've never seen the show, but they got me. They got me after the Super Bowl. Right? What are you going to do? It's the Super Bowl. It's right there. Come on. And so the voice, right, and, and I, so I don't know nothing about the voice, but here's what I, I, uh, I, I gather from the little bit that I saw. The voice is a show where they have four, um, four judges, right, and they're like, um, and, right, artists, right, yeah, they're, they're, they're yeah, they're, so they're, they're, you have these four recording artists from these different sort of genres of music, and the thing is, is that their, their chairs, their chairs are turned from the, the, the singer. They're turned from the singer. So the chairs are kind of like this, right? And so the, the, the singer comes up and, and the singer starts to sing and it's all about what? The voice, right? It's all about the voice. And so the person comes up and sings like a dynamic, wonderful song. And then the trick is, the trick is that the judges hear and after a few seconds they get a sort of a sense of the person's voice and they say, oh, this is a spectacular voice. This is a wonderful voice. This is a voice worthy of my investment. So they press this big red button. Am I right about this? Right? They press this big red button and it turns them around. And as they turn around and they have their face towards the person, they say, hey, listen, and if more than one judge turns them around, they get to bid for the person. And, and, and what they're saying is, hey, listen, I want you to come. You sing so good. You have such talent. You are so gifted that if you sign with me, I will coach you, mentor you, help you so that you can win this thing and that you can, in the future, you know, get a recording contract or, or whatever else you do. Right. And so 
The problem is, is that when we think of walking in Christ, and we think of grace, and we think of God, what we think is that God has got his back turned us, and we go, and I, I will always love you, will always love you. And the chair never turns. And the chair never turns. And God is sitting in our chair and we're just not good enough. And maybe if we practice enough, maybe if we took vocal lessons, maybe if we, maybe if we got the right coach, maybe if we tried real hard, maybe if, maybe if I hadn't done what I did when I was 12, Maybe, maybe, maybe things, maybe God, maybe God's chair would turn. Maybe if I try harder, if I go to church every Sunday and I read my Bible, maybe if I do more, see more, behave more, maybe I just, God, truth be told, I just, I just want you to turn your chair. But I just got this voice. And so I know, you know, he's never going to turn his chair with a voice like that. And so you know what? We get on the performance payment plan. We go, I'll try harder. I'll do better. I'll work harder. I'll become... Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. It's grace. It's grace. He goes extend my love to you. Yeah, but you know, I'm not, I'm so inconsistent. I come and then I go and I do and I don't. I try to do this thing for God and then I failed and, and I, and I, and I, it, I, I, I was at, um, I was at a police precinct and, uh, why you laugh? It was for a good thing. I was planting a church and they wanted to, um, yeah, I know. You're thinking I was at a police prison. Like, no, it was not like that. I was quite free. I was at a police precinct. And I can't tell you the horrible way that I communicated. Like, I just, I can't tell you. It was the worst communication I've ever done in my life. Right? It was so bad that by the time Ray got to the house, because he's gifted with sensitivity, he laughed so hard he threw up. True story. It was that bad. It scarred me. And for years, for years, you know how many books I've read on preaching? You know how many, you know how many sermons I've heard? Probably thousands. Oh, a couple of dozen times, actually. Thanks for asking. Um, but listen, all in an effort, all in an effort to get him to turn his chair. God, this is a good one. This is a barn burner. I know you're going to like this one, God. I know you're going to like this one. And then I preach it and I go, and I go, God didn't turn his chair. You ever feel like that? Like there's nothing you can do that's right? Here's, here's the message of the Bible. The message of the Bible, the message of the Bible is that God screams through Jesus Christ, Stop the auditions! 
and he turns his chair to you and he says, don't audition. Cancel the auditions. You don't have to. I choose you. I don't have to wait to hear your voice. I made your voice. I don't have to wait to hear how good you are. I made you how you are. I will encourage you and strengthen you and build you up. I am God and I turn my face to you. And you don't have to worry about the auditions and you don't have to worry about if you're good enough and you don't have to worry about your past experiences disqualifying you for your present deal. Listen, God says, listen, listen, stop the auditions. I turn to you. Don't sing. Don't say a word. I mean, I chose you. God has chosen you. And he's chosen you. Not just, listen to me, not just to sit in these chairs and listen to this person, but he's chosen you to serve. Here's what I want you to do today. I want you to just get it in your mind that God has chosen you and he wants you to serve in this church, in this community. You go, and I know I'm speaking to some of you. Some of y'all didn't get it. Some of y'all didn't get it. Listen to me. God has turned to you. And you go, but I'm not good enough. Glad you came to that conclusion. I agree. But I'm not smart enough that you... Right again. Right again. But I don't have what it takes. I'm not pure enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not holy enough. I'm not... Yep, 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 yep. Cancel the auditions. The Lord, listen to me, has turned. And that's what the Lord did with Gideon. And the Lord turned to him. And the Lord turns to you too. And he says, here's what I have for you. I have an adventure and it's planned and it's made just for you. Will you do it? I mean, really? So uh, you go, but I don't even know where to start. I don't know where to begin. Here, listen. I'm talking to, i got to look at my notes for this. I'm talking to three types of people. Um, There's some of you who are just, you just, you got excuses. You, You have excuses why God can't use you. You have excuses why others can't be blessed by your service because God can't do it through. You got excuses. I'm too busy. I don't have enough experience. I haven't read the Bible, I, I do, whatever it is, oh, I'm just kind of feeling this out, I'm not sure. Listen, listen to me, stop your excuses. God says stop the audition. He's turned to you. Come to him. Serve the body of Christ because he's calling you and he's calling you now. Some of you are... You're in this sort of, you know what, pastor? I want to serve. I'm down. I want to serve. I'm interested. Count me in. But I don't know where to start. I don't know where to start. When we walk through these doors today, and I want every single one of you, every one of you, oh, but but I got to go because I have to meet somebody. We're going to end the service early so you could do this. So you still have a few minutes. You're going to walk through those doors and... And there's going to be several ministries that you can sign up for. Do you still have your yellow cards or did you put them away? Does everybody still have their yellow cards? Okay. If there's not a ministry 
that you found, I want you in your, in your yellow card go, wouldn't it be cool if we started this kind of a ministry? And maybe we can, maybe we can't, but it'll be good to think about. Listen to me. God has called every one of you just like he's called Gideon. And he's called Gideon according to his, God's goodness, not Gideon's goodness. According to God's ability, not Gideon's ability. According to God's grace, not Gideon's track record. And then there's, so for those of you who are interested, I want every, and, and I want you all, I mean, I want every one of you, but this is my first time here. I'm so glad this is your first service. I'm so glad. I want you to go in there, and I want you to sign up for something. And I don't just don't want you to sign up and, and then avoid the phone calls. What did I do? What was I, oh, I was in that. Listen, sign up. People will get in contact with you, and you'll be able to serve in several different places in this church. And you know what? Here's what will happen. Other people will be blessed because of your service. They will. And then there's a bunch of you who are in here who are serving already, and you've been serving like crazy. And for you, I just want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your service. So what are you going to do? Here's what I want you to do. You get to finish this message by doing it. You get to finish this message by doing it. God has turned to you. Now, obey him. God bless you. Amen. And amen. Bow your heads with me. Father, we come... And we thank you so very much for your word, for the trusted servants you've put in place, oh God, to guide us and lead us and to teach us and to invite us and to greet us. I pray now that you would move in a very powerful way, oh God. Your word says that many are called, but few are chosen. I pray that you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, would melt away excuses, insecurities, condemnation, guilt, shame, perfectionism. That your grace from heaven would fall upon us, oh God. And that every woman and man and young person would understand that you've called us with a purpose in mind. That your word says, I know the plans I have for you, saith the Lord. A hope and a future. Father, I plead the blood of Jesus over everyone's life here. I pray, like Gideon, you would raise up an army of warriors, oh God, that would hear the cries of their friends and family and community and say, God, if you can use anyone, you can use me, oh God. I'm flawed and I'm fractured and I'm frail, but God, if the power of heaven can fall upon me, fill me and use me, we pray, oh God. So we need you now, God, to move in our hearts. Allow whatever needs to shift in the spiritual realm to shift, oh God. Whatever misbelief, whatever lie from hell was spoken into our lives, whatever past experience is hindering us from answering the call. In the name of Jesus, push back darkness, my king. Many here are not dead, are not in jail, are not at home with the Curtains drawn, a built-in cell by ourselves, oh God, because your grace 
Many of us here are not in some drug den, oh God. Depressed, isolated, suicidal because of your grace, oh God. Help us to remember those you sent to us, oh God. And help us to respond to the call to those you will send us to, Lord. Raise up an army, oh God. Father, we pray that not one person will leave here without you whispering to their hearts. I know you and I love you and I have a plan for your life. Father, help us all. Help us all, oh God. That not one will leave here without saying, here I am, Lord. You know me. If you can use me, I surrender. And Lord, I, as I close out this prayer, there may be some here in the situation Gideon found himself in, oh God. Downtrodden, defeated, beat up, in a bad situation, my God, in a tight place. And I pray that they would... They would understand and comprehend by the power of the Holy Spirit that today you're turning to them, oh God. You're turning to the seven-year imprisonment, the seven-year, the time is up. And it's time to be set free by the power of the Holy Spirit. Time of victory is here, Father. I plead the blood over their lives, oh God. And Lord, as I close, I ask you to move by your Spirit. That this community, our friends, our families that New York City and beyond will be turned upside down by broken, flawed, frail, fractured men and women like us, oh God. The same way you use Gideon to rescue Israel, use us to rescue hurting people who have been affected by addiction in various ways, oh God. That we together as an army of the Lord will take back what the enemy has stolen from us. We'll give you all the glory. And all the honor for you alone are worthy, O God. We praise you and we love you. And we thank you for your grace that you turned to us, my King. When everyone turned away, you turned to us, O God. And we thank you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, would you give the clap off?